morning. And so we just ask that you'd bless us, bless our time, bless our fellowship. Thank you for blessing the worship. Please continue to give our hearts, Lord, uh, uh, just a fulfillment of worship in our hearts, Lord. Uh, Please bless your word. All glory goes to you, Jesus, and no one else. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so, you know, I watch a lot of TV, and a lot of times you, you, you watch TV, and, and they're interviewing somebody, and, and they ask somebody, you ever read the Bible, right? And, and people, rather than admit that they don't, they'll say, well, yeah, I read the Bible, and then the guy who's interviewing will double down and say, oh, really? Well, what's your favorite book, right? And oh, now they're on the spot, because they got to try and remember what, they might, uh, what might be their favorite book. And so they come up with something, uh, Maccabees, right? That sounds good. <laughs> but guy doubles down, well, I don't think that's in this one. And they, well, okay, so let's see. Oh, the book of Eli, that sounds good. There's, there's a book there, right? Denzel can't be wrong. But the point is, it, it's okay to admit if you don't know as much about the Bible as you should. Because the more you do learn about the Bible, the more you realize just how little you know. Right? And, and I thought about that. I mean, early in life, if somebody had asked me what my favorite book was, I, I would be hard-pressed uh, to tell them, especially to come up with a favorite book uh, or even a scripture on the spot. But nowadays, I mean, if you were to ask me, geez, you know, I mean, a chance to talk about Jesus to somebody, and, you know, I would start giving them a list maybe, you know, it depends. You want a narrative? I could talk about Genesis or Book of Joshua or Exodus or you know, in the New Testament, there's the Gospels. And if you want to talk about uh, a prophecy, you know, if I'm in the mood for that, it depends on what circumstances are, are going on in life and what you feel like. If you feel like studying, you know, then you can go through uh, Isaiah or you can go through um, Daniel or in the New Testament, of course, you can go in Revelation. And I tell them if I needed encouragement, you know, I can go in the Psalms. I mean, you can go on and on because it's exciting. And, and the book of God, the Word of God, is relevant, right, on whatever you're, you're going through. But the contrast is noticeable. When you're young in life, you, you really don't know much. Uh, but now that we've had a chance, some of us have had a chance to live a little, you know, uh, a chance to walk with the Lord, you get to see His Word become impressed upon, upon your heart and upon your mind. And so the title of today's message, oh, that's what I forgot. If you need a handout, you raise your hand. Uh, we do have an outline, and uh, uh, Brother, uh, Brother Leo and, and the others will bring one out to you. So the title of today's message is Life Scriptures. Life Scriptures. And I'll try and keep it simple like I usually do. In fact, there's only three main points, and they're outlined pretty easily. What they are, I'm going to be talking about what life scriptures are, how to find them, and why they're important. So it's basically what, how, and why, okay? So point number one is, what are life scriptures? And what do I mean by this term? And so I looked up some things, but basically it's my own definition here. Uh, There are scriptures from the Bible that I've read and that really made an impression on me such that I've come to lean on and depend upon them and trust in them. So these are scriptures. And if it sounds like I'm personifying a written expression... Well, let's not forget what the Bible says, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Where's that? John, that's right. So see, you guys know your Bible. That's good. And then later on in the chapter, it says in verse 14, the Word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the word, amen? And of course we can lean on and depend upon and trust in it, in God's word, just as we do in Jesus. And it is personal, amen? So the word of God, you know, it has so many attributes. It can be promises, it can be statements, it can be stories like we said, it can be revelations, it, it can be rules, it can be doctrine, and there's so much to it. But people, especially non-Christians, people of the world, they'll say, how is it possible that you can lean so much on something that's written, not by you, but written by someone else? And how can you put so much faith in an expression by somebody else uh, such that they can almost, uh, you know, structure, that you would be able to structure your life around it? your overall philosophy, so to speak. But what they don't realize is that they do it all the time. Whatever the medium, there's all kinds of mediums nowadays, way more than when we were growing up, but people are bombarded with messages by any of them. And, and they take hold in your heads, right? And it starts from an early age when you're young. You get indoctrinated with stuff. I mean, just watch any Disney movie, right? And you get, you can see it. They're all there. And they're not necessarily bad, but, you know, Jiminy Cricket, always let your conscience be your guide. Look for the bare necessities. What's a kuna matata mean? It means no worries, right? So all these little things. And then as you become an adult, it doesn't stop. It keeps going on. You watch some movies as an adult. And, you know, one, one of our favorite phrases was keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. I know. Some people know that one. And then there's other ones like it's not personal. It's business. And it's not just in movies, it's in songs. I was trying to think of uh, tons of songs going through my head, but one in particular was don't go chasing waterfalls, right? Because like, you know, you could figure it out and okay, I got to be careful in life. There's a message there and it's, it's also in books. There's books called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and it's all small stuff, right? Or everything you need to know in life, you learn in kindergarten. There's all kinds of books with the same thing, these messages on how you can live your life. So people take them in, and they remember them, and they nurture them, and they cling to them, and they rely on them. So why can't we do the same with God's Word? And I'm not just talking about topical scriptures, right, what God says about certain things, what He says about salvation, what He says about marriage, what He says about the gifts of the Spirit, or, you know, any topic, everything that's related to life. I'm not talking about those, but although they're good, right? And it's important to know them as far as teaching and doctrine. But I'm talking about scriptures that are life-changing. Scriptures that have a real personal impact. They make you realize that God is talking to you as if this book was written just for you. And you know what? It was. I'm talking about scriptures that you read at some point in your life that ministered to you so much that they reinforce your perspective on life, that they give you a frame of reference, so to speak. They underscore your reality and then your reaction to circumstances. And because you've modified your perspective, you've changed your outlook, you know, they've had a real profound impact on your life. Now, there's lots of examples, to be sure, in reading God's Word uh, of scriptures that have shaped my perspective. Right? I mean, I could just rattle them off, and I will, because they're all written up there for you, so you can write them down. But Psalm 3, verse 3, it says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Right? 
I learned that as thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. Psalm 121 says in verses 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. These are awesome scriptures. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And that goes on. You should read that one. They not only shape our perspective, but they help us keep our wheels straight, right? They help you keep you aligned in your walk with the Lord. There's Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. What are you to do? To set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then there's the sister verse, because for me, I can't think of this verse unless I think of the sister verse that goes alongside it, which is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Don't you like sister verses too, how they combine and they reinforce each other and they kind of say the same thing? And as you learn God's word, you're like, okay, you can remember groups of of scriptures. But if I want to remember God's will, all I got to do is turn to Romans chapter 12. You can do that as homework in the first two verses. It'll tell you, you know, how to know what God's will is for your life. And these are wonderful and meaningful uh, scriptures. But for today's purpose, you know, they don't quite meet the, the definition here. Um, and that's not to say that they might not be perfectly suited for you to be your life first, because it's different for every person. But for the purpose of today, um, what I want to relate is that life scriptures are just for you. They're extremely personable, personal excuse me, at just the right time, and they're relevant. And For me, they blow your mind because they're so profound. It's like, how did he know this is exactly what I needed right now? And so I asked some people in church, some um, brothers and sisters, you know, do you have life scriptures? Can you share? Because I want to share some examples. And some, one sister, she gave me a real long one. So I said, whoa, that's too long. I can't, you know, I can't use that. But she also gave me another one. And it was um, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. She said, this is one I lean on. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that awesome? So she relies on that. I asked the brother, and he said in, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, and we've gone through a lot together, and he said, the righteous lead blameless lives. In other words, the righteous man walks in his integrity. And blessed are his children after him. But my sister, my sister in the Lord, she nailed it. She hit the nail on the head. She said, these scriptures, you know, it kind of become written on your heart. And I love that description because it's, it's well, it's used in the Bible as well, but for a different reason, but it's still relevant. If you can, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jeremiah, and I'll, I'll see if you, uh, I can explain what I mean here. If you don't, if you have it on your phone, that's fine. Just click over to Jeremiah chapter 17. This talks about sin. And we all know sins are impactful, right? They shape our lives. Uh, we have to deal with them, and on our own, we, we can't escape the consequences of sin. But in Jeremiah chapter 17, it opens up, and read with me if you will. It says, Judas, or Israel's sin, is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. 
See, sins can't simply be erased. What does that description remind you of? This vision here. It's like a tattoo, right? It's like a tattoo on your heart, on your organs. Has anybody here ever had a tattoo removed? I understand it's pretty tough. But how would you remove a tattoo from your heart? It would take a miracle, right? To remove the effect of sins on your heart, it would take a miracle. In fact, forgiveness and redemption take a miracle. One that has already been provided by God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's awesome. But truly, metaphorically, we can all agree, if sins can be written on your heart, it's not so much of a stretch to describe the impact of God's Word in the same way, right? That God's Word can be inscribed upon your heart. You read it, you relate to it, uh, you meditate on it. Because some of us, when you're in the thick of things, when you're going through stuff, the thick of life and, and, and problems, you know, we become OCD almost, right? Whatever is bothering us, you let the anxiety get to you and the stress, you let it weigh you down. And so we constantly turn to God's Word again and again and again. And so then you begin to reference these scriptures because it's so relevant. You know, uh, it ministers to you God's love. It ministers to you, it, you know, what you need in life. He encourages you. Uh, he gives you relief. He gives you peace. He gives you comfort. And it's all in his timing. And then it becomes part of you. It becomes written on your heart. And that's when it becomes a life scripture for you. So if you get what I mean, say amen. Okay, thank you. So point number two is, how do you find them? And it's not hard. It's not difficult. This isn't rocket science, so to speak. You know, there's two major components. One is, you just got to be in God's word. So we know where to find it, right? The point is, it's dependable and it's accessible, especially here, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. Everybody has access, no excuses. And then the second component, as far as, you know, how to find it, how to find God's scriptures here, life scriptures, is just to live a little. You just got to live life and go through life. And you guys all have an excellent chance of living today, the rest of today. So that's all you got to do. So you can do this, but will you? So let me ask, let me rephrase this. You can do this, right? Same words. Live your life, spend time in his word. And I, I know what I'm saying sounds simple, but I know it's also hard because that's why I'm here today. In, in a perfect world, everybody would be disciplined. Everybody would oh, be in God's word every day. Bang, bang, bang. You get it, study it, dwell on it. Set aside your 45 minutes or half an hour. But some of us are busy. Some of us are lazy, right? And I say us, right? Because um, I'm inclusive on this too. But everybody has challenges. I mean, some of us can pray daily and spend time with the Lord, and others struggle on that. Some of us can worship daily, be it in the car or just on your own or when you're taking a walk, you know, but others might struggle with that. And I've never taken a poll, but for some people, reading God's Word on a, on a regular basis, that's their big challenge. And sometimes, the only Word of God that they might get during the course of the day is from a daily devotional, right? So, word of encouragement, if you provide a daily devotional for somebody else, God bless you. That's important. You guys might get, or people, ladies as well, might get discouraged. It's like, is anybody reading this? 
but they do. They minister to us, and they're important. And then for some of us, the only word of God we get is Sunday morning at church. Now, I didn't prepare this message specifically for Pastor Appreciation Day. When he asked me, I thought, well, I got something here, and it is relevant. I didn't, I didn't have to try, because that's how the Lord works, right? But do you realize how blessed we are to be where we are right now? Because our pastors, they fulfill the charge that's given to them by the Lord. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, and I'll show you what I mean in chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I wanted to bring to your attention just how apt this description is and how well our pastors uh, try to follow it. Of course, Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, the younger guy. He's trying to encourage him. And in 2 Timothy, the, the second book, chapter 4, verse 2, he tells him this. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's what they do. Week in, week out. The Word of God. I've been coming here over 20 years, and I've been listening to the messages most of the time. A couple times, sorry, Pastor, I fell asleep. But most of the time, (laughs) I'm listening, and I'm listening with intent to make sure everything sounds right. And if it's wrong, I'm going to tell them. Over 20 years, in season and out of season, solid doctrine, correct, rebuke, encourage. And they don't dodge the tough stuff. They go through all the books. We've gone through Revelation in all its complexity. We've gone through Romans and Hebrews. You name it. They don't avoid specific topics. If you're still there, look at verse 3. It says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Our pastors don't stay away from topics. They're, they're not sensitive to, ooh, are they going to like that or not? You know, because their intent is to give you the full counsel of God with great patience and careful instruction. And anyone who's ever been up here, we're aware of that responsibility as well. They don't have to tell us just because of their teaching and how we've been taught. The standard is set by our pastors, and so we appreciate that. They teach God's word in humility. They teach it in fear. They teach it in awesome respect, and they teach it with love. They're truly shepherds for God's sheep, and so we're so blessed to have them. And so we, sh- we should acknowledge them every week, right? But this is the time of the year that we do it. Amen? So their instruction, their guidance, this is important too, it doesn't absolve us as far as fulfilling our requirements to live life and to spend time in His Word. So let's get back to the message here. The point is we have personal responsibility as Christians to be in God's Word, right? And it is, yes, it should be simple, um, but it's not, and I understand that. So what does God's Word say, right? Because anytime you need some authority on something, Let's go to God's Word. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10, the Lord is speaking to Moses. And he says in verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? What does God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, 
And it carries on to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. See, that's a lot in there. I know that. But it's more than just A plus B equals C. And then there's that piece of gold there at the very end, right? That it's, it's for your own good, right? This is not advice or admonition because I'm God and you're not. But it's because it's for our own good. And it gives you a little preview then of point number three, which is why it's important to have life scriptures in your heart. Um, but think of it as an investment, right? I could put it in, if you're familiar with the, the idea of dollar cost averaging, it's when you put a little bit of money over time and then over time, it's really impactful. But that should give us extra motivation, this, the idea that it's an investment and that it's beneficial to you, you know, but the caveat there is obedience. In other words, uh, there's an aspect of application here. So is the, if the question is, is it enough to know God's Word, the answer can be found in God's Word. And this, this is a plug here, for, for the men's study at least. Uh, we're studying the book of Joshua. We just started, and then we had a brief um, detour here. But we're going to get back into Joshua. So we, we haven't even finished chapter 1. But in the first chapter of Joshua, in verse 7, right, uh, this is something that was said to Moses as well. It starts off, Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it for the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So there's God's word reinforcing the importance of staying in his word. Psalm 1 opens up with, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Verse 2, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. And that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So to answer that question, is it enough just to know God's word? And the answer is no. And we talk about this all the time, week in and week out, the huge difference between here and here. It implies you've got to put it into operation. The application does anyways. You've got to put it into practice. So know his word, meditate on it, obey it, and then God says you will be successful. And it's his idea of success, not ours, right? Put it into practice. So if you're living it, if you're doing that, and the word of God is becoming impressed upon your heart, that's awesome, all right? And I make you a promise. If you do that, you won't have to seek out your life scriptures, They'll find you. <laughs> it's, you don't even have to try it. It's just they're there. And then there's, there's side benefits as well. When you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Right? You get more knowledge of him. You get a deeper understanding of who God is and how he operates. You get an appreciation for his character. You get an appreciation for the magnitude of his love and just how never-ending it is. And if you seek the Lord in his word, and then you combine that with just the investment over time of living your life, you'll discover how easy it is to find life scriptures in your life. And I'll give you an example for myself personally. You know, I, I, I've always made plans, right? It is, 
ever since I was young, I was like, plan, 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 plan. And contingencies and backup plans and all that stuff. And living my life, uh, came to realize they don't always come to fruition. <laughs> and so I was praying, you know, I was like, man, life's tough. I remember when I was young, I uh, called up my mom and I asked her, Mom, how come you never told us life was tough? She said, mijo, you have to learn that by yourself. Like, yeah, it would have saved me a lot of trouble, though, if you had told me earlier, right? And so I'm reading, and I'm asking the Lord, what's going on? And so I'm reading Proverbs chapter 16, and he says in verse 9, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And that, that just hit me like a thunderbolt. It's like, oh, he answered me. It's like, what did I expect, you know? What do I deserve, right? And I had been aware of, of scriptures. I remember in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, where he says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, you know, we're going to go to this or that city, and we're going to spend a year there, and we're going to carry on business, and we're going to make money, you know? Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then poof, you vanish. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. And I had been aware of this scripture and how you can't take things for granted and you can't assume that your plans are going to work out. But when I coupled James 4.13 through 15 with Proverbs 69, then I got it. I made the transition down to my heart. My plans aren't necessarily his plans. My ways aren't necessarily his ways. And then I had a new perspective of who's in control, Right? Who's the boss? <laughs> Today now you would say, uh, I'm the ant and he's the boot, right? And so that gave me comfort. And ever since then, my plans, they include him. Any plan that I make is contingent upon his will. And so if you want me to do something, if you want me to plan something with you, it's Lord willing. You know, that's a, a hard but worthwhile lesson that I had to learn. And so it begins to answer the question for point number three, moving along here. Now, earlier I mentioned, you know, why are life scriptures important? And we know it's because they're good for you. But here's another aspect, and that is we all need to understand that life happens. And by that, I mean problems happen in life. And so when you read Ephesians chapter 6, it says, put on the full armor of God, right? That's kind of preventative, right? It's to help you get ready because there's problems here that go on in life. The devil's always trying to, to hinder us. Other people sometimes unknowingly are trying to hinder us. And then, of course, there's, uh, don't, don't underestimate the credit that should be given to our own nature. So I'll, I'll share with you another one, a quick life scripture here. And I already mentioned the plans weren't happening, so that, that was enough, but to the degree that I, I still needed answers, right? I still needed to, to know what was going on, because I want to know, right? And, and so I'm asking him, what are you teaching me? How does this glorify you? That's one of my favorites when I'm complaining. It's like, how does it, how does it glorify you, Lord? Because I want to know, because I want to know, I'd like to know your plans, but just how long is it going to last? What are you doing, right? These are legitimate questions, and I ask a lot because I want to know, and I'm just pouring my heart out to him. And of course, he answered me. And of course, I'm not the first person to come to him like this. I'm sure many of you do the same thing. Right? You ask 
the Lord, what's going on? And it's been going on like this since, since Jesus came. Because how do I know? Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and he said, you know, I've gone through some of this myself. Maybe different types of problems, but it's the same approach. And he says to the Corinthians in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Boom. There it was. There was my answer. My grace is sufficient for you. And so then my wheels got lined up again. There's my perspective. And I said, okay. It all starts with grace. And after that, whatever happens, it pales in comparison. I mean, all of a sudden, some other scriptures started to pop into my head. I was like, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, where you fill in your name in the blank. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. I was dead in my sin. And the miracle of God's grace had been extended to me, his forgiveness, his redemption, his gift of eternal life. And then you think about it, everything after that is gravy, right? So if we ask, why are life scriptures important? How can one verse make a difference? I tell you, this verse ministers to me every morning, every day. No matter how bad life is and can be for us, we recognize that the grace of God puts us in the black, right? We're in positive territory, that it's all going to work, work out for us in the long run. You can go home and read Romans 8.28. In the short run, hang in there, right? Uh, but grace and redemption and forgiveness they enable us to have a relationship with the living God. And that relationship, that's everything. You can call on him and he will minister to you. And in his sustaining grace, we had a message not too long ago. Pastor Joey lined it up too. He said, just keep on. This sustaining grace will enable us to keep on standing when we're tempted, keep on standing when we're tired, keep on standing when we're troubled, God's grace is abundant, it's rich, it's unsurpassed, it's unending, and it's all-sufficient. And I understand that now. Every day, I couldn't survive without God's grace. And it's only because I spent a little time in God's Word. And He writes these scriptures on our hearts to give us a constant reminder of where we are whenever we're in need. And what to remember when we're trying to cope. He just gave me this observation the other day. And as we prepare to close, I thought it would be good to share it with you. So I'm kind of old. I don't know what they, they teach now in, in high school or what classes they offer. Do they still have, like, ceramics or uh, pottery class? I guess not. <laughs> but back then, you know, they did. Everybody wanted to be a hippie, right? So <laughs> you would take a, a, a pottery class, and since I already knew macrame, I figured, well, <laughs> might as well take pottery. So... Thanks, all the old people appreciate that. Um, so I took this class, and everything that I did was chueco. I mean, it was crooked, right? So it's like, I'm not going to get a good grade, but at least I tried. But what it gave me was a good appreciation for good ceramics, for good pottery, right? And, and just how there is an art associated with it if you get that far. And so what I learned is that after you put it together, after you create it, whatever, you do it on the wheel or something like that, you usually put your inscription on it, right? And that's a means of identification. You're saying, this is mine. I created it. And it's interesting because it survives 
the baking process, right? They put it in the, in the kiln for firing, and it survives that. Whatever is written in there, whatever is etched on the pottery, it survives that. And over time, you know, this, this creation, this vessel, it's used, it's reused, it's tested, and it's retested. And if it lasts, if endures, if it endures over time, you think about it, who gets the credit? It's not the vessel. You don't go, oh, you're a good vessel, right? It's the potter. It's the creator. And so as, if you live your life and you let God's scriptures work themselves out to where they're in your heart, people will want to know, and then you got to tell them. It's the potter. It's the creator. Amen? All right, let's all stand.